Three people were at home when Hutt Valley toddler Ruthless Empire was fatally injured, according to police. So why, more than a week on, hasn't anyone been charged? The trio has been identified as persons of interest in the investigation and are offering various degrees of cooperation. The death of Ruthless Empire, Ahipeni Wall, also known as Baby Roo, is being treated as a homicide after post-mortem results confirmed he died of blunt force trauma with several external injuries to his body. Injuries that occurred up to 12 hours before he died, police say. Following the killings of baby twins Chris and crew Kahui in 2006, the Crimes Act was amended, making it an offence for anyone over the age of 18 living in the same household or closely connected to a family to fail to act on child abuse they are aware of. Joe Wycliffe is a criminal defence barrister and she joins me now. Kia ora, Joe. Kia ora. That amendment, which came into force in 2012, do you know how often it has been used? I've managed to find uh, five cases where it has been used. That seems not many. Why do you think that might be the case? Is it too hard? I don't think so. It's probably just that the factual scenario um, gave rise to it in those cases, but perhaps not in others. So what level of knowledge does a person need to have to be charged under that? They have to be aware or perhaps deliberately close their eyes. So they know something's going on, but they're deliberately, say, turning a blind eye, failing to get help. That's at the lower end. Then it can be as high as being present when the assault actually did occur. Okay, so it's supposed to be a deterrent, one imagines, and following the the kind of uh, tight 12 in the Kahui situation when no one spoke up. So what options, what other options are there in those scenarios where people are just keeping quiet and they know something? (laughs) Yeah, that's the difficulty, isn't it? I think that's why this was enacted. It's, uh, well, first of all, it's part of the government approach, which was preventive, wanting to protect children from being abused and neglected. The problem with that is by the time someone's charged under this, that harm has already occurred. Um, but this is what the police can now use to basically charge bystanders who just stood by and knew that didn't do anything. What about people who choose not to talk to you, right? So the police in this case are saying that they've got various degrees of cooperation and it's been the same scenario in other um, child abuse cases. What other charges are open to the police in that scenario? Uh, well, I can't comment, of course, on the on any yes. current police investigation. You understand. Um, other charges available to them, do you mean for people who they suspect know what went on? Yeah, and who, who simply will not cooperate and will not, as some people would say, dob the offender. Oh, I I can't comment on how the police might operate, but if it were to be used, basically you say you've got five people and you know that mm-hmm. someone in there knows something. Perhaps the police might say, I can charge you with this, the section that we're talking about today. Um, and perhaps people might then want to save their own skins and speak up. I don't know. Right, but what about um, what about charges relating to obstructing police investigations, um, being part of a conspiracy? When they can they be used? Well, uh, you mean the obstruction? I don't I don't know yeah. conspiracy, but the obstruction they could use that, I suppose. But where does that where does that really take them? No. You mean they're not actually getting to the person who potentially committed the crime? Yes, I mean, obstruction doesn't, I can't think of the top of my head what the maximum penalty is, but it's, it's minor. Is that really much of a um, deterrent or a consideration for someone who might be charged? This one here, this charge, we're talking about this charge of failing to protect a child or vulnerable mm. adult, carries a maximum of 10 years imprisonment.
So it's a lot more serious instruction. So what about people venting on social media, Joe, saying things that may suggest that um, they were aware of issues? Um, what can that be used for? Does it count as evidence? Uh, the people on there saying that they personally were aware of issues? Yeah, or you're saying things that suggest they were aware of issues, yes. Uh, well, they might want to be a little bit careful there because if they're aware of them and they didn't do anything to intervene, it, just, it still depends, though, were they members of the household? That's what this section's about. Or closely connected to the family is the other sort of sub-clause in it, is it? Isn't yes, it? well, it can be that, you know, you have maybe you've, you're not in that household all the time, but you frequently visit and you stay there for a while. It's about duration and frequency. And if they did that, they knew from that interaction that something was going on and they didn't do anything about it, they could be liable. I know I'm asking a criminal defence barrister this question, but the right to silence, does it still have a place in the legal system? Absolutely, 100%. And yes, you are asking a criminal defence barrister, but just objectively, uh, it would be really disappointed to see that right eroded in any way. It's fundamental in our system. Is it fundamental when you've got dead kids, Jo? Uh, well, that's the discussion, isn't it? it yeah. Uh, yes, I would say yes, it is. And I, I would not like to see that eroded at all. Uh, I suspect we'll probably go that way. We always follow what England does, and, and now you know we'll follow what they do, essentially. But for now, we have to um, hold that position. I think it's important that we do. Really appreciate your time, Joe. That's Joe Wickliffe, who is a criminal defence barrister there.